Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Congratulations, and I have a story. No! Pamela! So, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> very exciting. Okay. Welcome to the Child Care Buyer Girl Podcast, the longest running and most prolific early learning podcast. I'm Jeff Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico with me, Samantha Balch. How you doing, Sam? I'm going to tell you something that a three-year-old told me okay. uh, a couple weeks ago. It's really hard being a big girl. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, that's the vibe. Man, I it mean, is hard. You, you know it, kiddo. You don't have to tell me. Um, <laughs> oh, boy, we got so much to get into. We're going to we're gonna talk verbs. Um, I want to say, is he taking it back? Um, no, we, I got to send congratulations to somebody, but I'm not sure how much I can say yet. Oh, a uh, secret congratulations to a secret person for something secret they have achieved. Oh, but now you're talking and it's, oh, oh shit. Now, um, mm, uh, okay, stop. Undo. Okay, listeners, I was trying to send a, vo- I was going to try to do a voice to text message to somebody to find out if I can talk about this thing. But Okay, here, stay with me here. Hey, you. non-pon, is it okay to, is your, is your news public knowledge? I'm recording with Sam now and I wanted to congratulate you, but I don't know what I can say. Okay. Um, anyway, congratulations. Listeners, I'm making a really big face. Congratulations to, uh, to uh show friend, uh, that early childhood nerd, Heather Bertsanti. Uh, uh, she had some good news. I don't know if I could say what it is, and we will eventually when I know I'll watch my see if she messages me back but she had some really good pantomime it ladies and gentlemen he's going to tell it to us in a cipher and we will have to decipher that's all I'm going to say until I hear back from her um but anyway she had some really good news and uh, congratulations to her more about that will come up on this show because we are big fans of hers Um, truly a personal fan even yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know so much about that. Uh, I mean, but you know, professionally, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Um, so we'll wait, see if we hear back from her about that. That's the first time I've ever text messaged during an episode. This is big. <gasps> this is a big episode. It is, it is an honor to be part of that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next thing, uh, listener, listener, Pam, you need to plug your ears for this. Uh, Sorry, Pam. So, Sam, I messaged you a picture of the dogs on the beach the other day. You did, um, which I loved. I, Thank yeah, you. I spend a lot of time trying to get them to smile on the beach. Mostly I get their tails wagging, walking away from me. They don't like to pose. But anyway, we're on the beach and it's a, a dark and stormy afternoon. The wind is like 20, 20 mile an hour sustained winds and 35 mile an hour gusts. And it's been blowing for at Yikes. least 12 hours. So so first, the sand is smooth. All the all the undul- undulations of footprints and stuff have been, have been washed away by the blowing sand. And so it's a, a smooth, Ooh. a smooth, sandy surface. And the, the the wind is going east to west across the beach, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So then we're on the beach and and shortly after I sent you that picture, Gigi finds she sniffs around and she goes around in a circle and 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 she she squats down to do what doggies do on the beach. Sure. And then the byproduct of her exertions hits the beach and then starts rolling down the beach because it's so windy. And <laughs> Like yield tumbleweed in a creepy, uh, deserted ghost. Yeah, town. I mean, just imagine a bratwurst or hot dog rolling down the beach, but then and so as it rolls, it gets covered in in the sand. It, it kind of snowballs a tiny little bit, um, and so I have to chase it to pick it up, and then we go on about our our day. So that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Um, listener Pam, you can start listening again. Uh, Hi, Pam. It's a safe space for you now, Pam. Uh, so I know that's kind of it's it's very, very gross, but also it was kind of mesmerizing and fascinating. Um, so I you ever like had so much of life is gross, but mesmerizing and fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You have have you ever had to chase rolling poop down the beach? Rolling poop down the beach, no. Poop that is fault. Pam, I'm sorry. That is falling out of a child's body while that child is running in a circle in the room during nap time. And some of it mm -hmm. is like scattering to nap mats of sleeping children. Yes. It's a treasured memory of mine. Yeah. Ah, delightful. Okay, Pam, we're we're off we're off the We're so talk. done. That's, that's we enough. Promise. we hit our quota for this episode. So uh, I also messaged you about this. I had a, a interesting AI experience the other night. So on the, the Playvolution HQ site, I've been trying to use AI image generation for some posts I'm, I'm, I'm doing because when it works, it it's a lot easier than, than finding uh, photos that fit the specific things I'm working on. Um, that are that are public domain or royalty free or creating Creative Commons or the, you know it's just usable photos. I can just right. generate what I need, and so I've come up with a a general prompt to get the the look I want. I'm going for mostly 1950s illustration styles because oh. I think they're they're kind of kind of kind of bold and fun, and 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 then whatever whatever my recipe is going to be to get the image I want. And so yesterday I'm trying to get an image of a child, um, <clears throat> well, basically it's for a, a superhero post I did. It's a child being the most important, most powerful superhero, mom. Um, mm -hmm. And so I wanted a picture of a, a child um, momming and I tried that and it gave me pictures. Uh, it would put adults in the images and that kind of stuff. And it was right. so I was, so I thought, okay, I'll get more specific. I asked for a picture of a, a child feeding a baby doll. Right. And it generates a picture for me. Cute little white girl, ponytail, feed the baby doll. Um, gives me gives me four choices, I think four samples for four illustrations and all little white girls. And and that's that's fine, but this seems I I I start thinking, well, this is this seems to be all it generates for me is <laughs> is white kids. And if there is, if it ever generates for me an image of a kid of a different skin tone, it always has white kiddish hair. So so mm -hmm. the AI generations I get of of a a, a black child, for example, a uh, little girl will have a, a long black ponytail. No, no, you can't get any natural, mm. natural hair. It's a very yeah. rare thing. 
And so I decided to play with it a little bit. I I, I asked for um, black child, Asian child, um, African-American child, uh, African child. Um, every time I asked for specific race of a child feeding a baby doll, it told me I was asking for uh, generally illegal content and it wouldn't generate an image for me. Yeah, that's horrifying. Then, then I also asked for four-year-old boy because it had been four-year-old child mm -hmm. uh feeding a baby doll is what i'd asked for and and then i asked for a four-year-old boy feeding a baby doll gave me the same thing so does the ai think i'm trying to generate some weird child porn that i don't even yeah. understand exists or what is what is ai's problem with this um this has been written about many times ai's problems uh but to me what it sounds there's there's two full like i'm i am not an ai scientist obviously or else um my house wouldn't look like this so uh what i'm what I, what i'm thinking is that there are two problems number one ai trains itself on images that already exist right mm -hmm. um and how many images are people like photographs are people taking of non-white children feeding baby dolls we uh, uh, if you if you ask mm -hmm. someone in a, particularly the american context uh oh draw me a kid feeding a baby doll they're almost always going to draw a girl right like that's that socialization piece um which is also the second part of what's probably going on here which is the people that create and write ai programming and help to train it are also bringing in their own biases their own biases and contexts so they it is entirely possible that they have helped train that ai to when it sees words like child feeding baby doll like that's always going to be a girl it's always going to be a woman like yeah. that's how the ai has been rewarded and it's little fun little ai synapses um again i'm not an ai scientist and i don't want to be i find it really cool and a little scary like jeff said messy but interesting <laughs> yeah so it's, the... it's, i feel like what like that speaks to you know broader societal issues of the view of young boys play and the play of non-white children and okay so how do we bring these things to the forefront um if it's just going to give keep giving us white girls what do we what do we do yeah yeah and and those were my those are my first takeaways too so i um the the ai tool i'm using that's got a a uh a hey need help have feedback kind of thing and and so i i i sent in requests for follow-up to all of the all of the prompts I was getting because it was telling me if mm -hmm. I if I kept searching for all this all this inappropriate if I kept trying to generate all these inappropriate yeah. uh, images mm -hmm. it was going to take away my my uh, my my AI abilities so uh, I I was like hey tell me what's wrong with this and I would like right. a response not just sending back the feedback that I I wasn't <laughs> happy with the response so we'll see if they ever get back to me um, so that's just an interesting but also along those lines there's a couple um, uh, royalty free photo websites that I use for things. And, and like you said, um, the content that are, that's posted those, yep. uh, the uh, kids at play, uh, mostly white kids, then Asian kids. Um, and, and then any, any flesh tones beyond that are, um, are, are, are much, much rarer. So, um, it, it there probably is, I, I don't think it's AI being evil. It's just, no, no, uh, no. it's a, it's a garbage in garbage out. 
right. kind of kind of thing. It, rem- so- it reminds me of um, there was a really interesting conversation. Uh, I feel like it was like last year that was happening on the internet um, about medical textbooks, um, like both at like the high school level and then like medical school level. Like the majority of images we see of the human body are of white adults. And even when they do like, you know, those creepy cross sections where they show you like what is inside of your disgusting human flesh bag, um, they're showing you like a cross section of a white person, like, and you can see like their face is white and they have white hair, um, white people hair rather. And so there was there, I, I cannot remember the name of this person right now, but I'm sure if you Google them, they will come up. They, I believe they were a pre-med student and, and or are a pre-med student and they are also an artist. So something they're doing is drawing medical diagrams that are non-white skin tone and the people were so thrilled about this and so excited just like oh my god we have overlooked this like completely we didn't even know this wasn't there like as a as a white person I can say like I never thought about it and I'm like oh my god that's so true I never I never thought about all of the examples in all of my science textbooks were always white people that's why yeah, like, well I mean our, our, mind. our blind spots are our blind spots because there are blind spots right we didn't so, do uh, anything to make them happen, but there's so yeah. there's some really great people out there that are, you know, looking at that and saying, hey, we can we can offer a different solution to that. We don't have to just stick with what we've got. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Hey, so maybe so, that'll well, come to AI. Listeners, stay tuned and find out if the AI people get back to me. Um, so you wanted to talk about verbing? That's what's happening. Verbing when planning. I dated myself with that reference. If you understood it, please come to myplayhaven.com and tell me about it. <laughs> I'll I'll do that because I didn't. Um. <laughs> no, so I've been I've been thinking about um, a lot of the times on this podcast, listeners, you'll notice we get a little philosophical and esoteric and or rambly. Um, I was like, all right, what is what is practical advice that I could give someone? And so this is something I've been doing for a little while, but I've, I've started talking to other people about that feels like it's somewhat practical. Like see, people seem to like this. So I'm specifically talking about uh, planning for your day, for your week, however you approach planning with uh, your young children. Uh, and what has been really helpful for me for the past few years is focusing on the verbs of their interests. So the first step being they play and we watch them do that. And the second step kind of pulling out the verbs that they keep going to. So is there a lot of running? Is there a lot of talking? Is there a lot of, for our classroom right now, it's everything is smash. We have two and three-year-olds, everything is smash. So we've got, um, anytime anything is built, someone will toddle over and say, smash? And very gently and politely point to it and ask, smash? And then the other person who has built it will consider, Often the answer is no, because they want to smash it themselves, but sometimes the answer is yes, and then they smash it, and it's just this delightful thing. So I brought up the idea to my team, hey, what if we think about this verb of smash and the many different ways we could apply that across a day? So we've got stamp pads with stamps, right? That's a smashing motion we could make. We're making mashed potatoes. That's a smashing motion we could make. We've got cars on, um, we set up two ramps. And then there's a car on each ramp, so they're opposing, so they're going to smash into each other if you do them at the same time. So this, I'm sure there is another name for this and this way that it's, this kind of planning can be done, but it was really helpful 
it's been helpful for me in taking a step back from what materials do I need to put out today? What, you know, what stuff do I need to get? And more thinking about what outcomes might there be if I focus on an action rather than just a toy or a material. He's weirdly silent, listeners. He's making faces at me. Um, he's like, I don't think he heard. I think he was like thinking about something else. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm here. Um, so this, how, when is this plan? When is this look? I'm anti-planning. When is this planning? Ha- when is this planning happening? Oh, uh, so this is. I mean, for to be quite honest with you, the majority of my planning happens when I'm laying in bed. Um, and thinking mm-hmm. like when everything is very quiet and I have my little rain noise machine on and I'm drifting off sure. into sleep and I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, I know there are a lot of teachers who have like, they need to have play. I've worked in places that like, you need to have a plan for the week up on Monday. Mm-hmm. So every Monday you need to have something written down that says specifically what you'll be doing, not necessarily like beat by beat, but what's going to be offered at uh, every quote unquote center or something um so for us in my in my current program this kind of planning is happening every day which is nice but we are expected to have a plan up for the week that we purposely print out really big so that we can put post-it notes over things when we don't do them and when we do other things instead and then we retype it and we print that one and that one goes in like the office file where it's required to be for licensing so the who who the who who's the planning for and i, I know i'm being, a, I know I'm being, I, know I'm being a, I know i'm being i know i'm being a dick sam but i feel that's what you're made for right? i feel comfortable being a dick with you um who's the planning no, who's the questions. planning for i would say it's twofold in an ideal world in an ideal world the planning is for me as the educator and the caregiver to think critically about what I'm offering a child every day and how I'm furthering their interests and their explorations and how I'm ensuring that we have an environment that is rich in dialogue, relationship building, and in a lot of ways like novelty, excitement, just the, the sort of the sort of place you want to be in, right? It's not just me saying on Mondays we do we do lacing cards and on because on Mondays we do lacing cards. Mm-hmm. So and then the flip side of that is that the planning would then be with the purpose of providing the children that environment the idea being that yes you can do it without this sort of planning but a many states require it and b by having this planning perhaps it has given me more time to again think critically about what it is offer things to children and then come back and reflect on it and say, where is this heading or where is this not heading in terms of their interests? Are they enjoying using these ramps? If they're not, let me put them away for a couple of days or a couple of weeks and see if there's another material that they've been really excited about. In the in reality, the plan for two people, <laughs> the plans for the licensing agency to prove that we quote, do school, unquote, and the plans are for the parents to prove that we quote, do school, unquote. I don't think there's anything bad with parents being able to see things I've done every day or things I might have planned for the week. I think that's lovely. I think that helps invite um, a partnership 
in some ways, I think it can't invite a partnership on its own. It has to be in conjunction with building an actual relationship with parents and caring about who they are as people. Sure. Um, but that I have had points where I've had parents in a, in a couple of different programs I've worked, see what has been on the plan and say, oh my gosh, that's so neat. I do X, Y, Z. And then be like, oh, are you free on Thursday? Do you want to come? We would love to have you. And th- that's led to, you know, some absolutely beautiful moments. But at its core, yeah, a lot of this planning can absolutely just be sort of a rote academic exercise that we put in a file to get a check marked on a box, which isn't great. So um, how many, and, and look, if you if you are in a world where you have to do planning or you want to do planning, I think the kind of planning you're describing is much better than weather or calendar based planning um it's more specific because it's drawing on something that kids have shown interest in right so questions how many on, on a given on a given wednesday how many verbs are you preparing for i think so i think what's interesting about this and for me this is this is your whatever in the fields, you know, I don't know anymore. <laughs> no one knows. Um, I'm old. And I work with a, uh, more teachers that have fewer years of experience who are more considered beginning teachers. So I think for me, I'm able to focus on lots of things at once just because I know the feeling, the rhythm, the vibe of these pretty well. And that there's going to be a lot of different verbs that come up every day. When I was specifically with this week of planning that we had done with this idea of smashing that was for me hey what's one or two things we could do every day that gets into that that gets into that movement that motion that talk the sound that it makes what's you know just one or two things maybe one in the morning one in the afternoon you know however your day is structured and then from that I found that that kind of sparks something else so Mm -hmm. for example um when I was I was thinking about actually for Wednesday, I think I'd written it down um, specifically bringing out tin cans because tin cans make such an interesting noise when you knock them down. So bringing out a bunch of tin cans, stacking them up, and seeing what happens. Are we going to knock them down? Are we going to stack them up in pyramids? Are we going to try and do straight lines? We've been really interested in straight lines, seeing if we can touch the ceiling. Um, and then that also got me leading to what are some other movements we do with our hands? We stack. It's like, oh, you know what? We haven't done a lot of cutting. We haven't done a lot of tearing. I'm going to see if we enjoy that. I've got some contact paper. I've got some some tissue paper. I've got some construction paper, which is a little trickier to tear. Let's tear some stuff up and see where that goes. So now we've moved into like another verb through the exploration of the first one. Are they necessarily related? No. Am I able to then check off two different boxes for developmental domains, one with fine motor and then one with uh, building and planning. Yes, I am. <laughs> we're cheating the system here is what we're doing. So boy, Why? listeners, Jeff doesn't <laughs> Jeff doesn't think as fast as he used to. Um, what the 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 trouble I have with this, and this is just a me thing, is <laughs> that 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 can lock 
Okay, so we're 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 setting things up related to smashing because kids have shown an interest in smashing. So there's lots of smashing stuff in this room, and that kind of locks some kids into smashing. And if yes. they're maybe not into smashing, you have a room full of smashing stuff. But I'm into snuggling, or I'm into throwing, or I'm into biting, or or kicking, or something else. And so it leaves that child who's not interested in that thing not able to do their thing. And if, if according to Gray, one of the conditions of play is that the activity is selected by the people doing the play, it's kind of narrowing the selection. And I, I guess think, that's where, where I have my, my issue, I guess. No, I, I guess. and I think that's, that's a really important distinction. The idea, like for, again, back to the example of like the tin cans, the idea of setting up the tin cans, I have an idea of where that might lead based on the sure. interest of some of them. If it doesn't lead there, I do not care. If we start using them to put our mouths in it and scream into, super. If we want to try and roll them across the room, amazing. There's an element here of needing to remove your ego from it, right? Like there is not sure. a right way to participate in this activity. It's rather, I've seen some things you've done. I've seen some verbs you've engaged with constantly. If I set up something else that might lead you down that path, are you going to keep smashing or are you going to start something new? Or are you going to say, I don't want to do this? And that's also great. Show me the things that you are interested in so then I can pivot. If I see you walk away from all of the other things I've set up and go over to the little couch and hang out with a little pillow and hang out with your copy of Hand, Hand, Fingers, Thumb. We've been reading that a lot lately. Um, then, oh, that's given me new information. There's something happening here that I also need to pay attention to. Let me get rid of, on our big planning chart, where we had some other smashing things. Let me get rid of one of those and put in something that's a little softer. Let me see. Maybe I'll make a little canopy. Maybe I'll make a little spot that feels really cozy and see if we go in there. Maybe I'll go to infants and I'll borrow um, what they refer to as the baby stadium. Mm -hmm. It's like a giant... Um, it's like almost like a tiny, tiny swimming pool, but it's just, it's very soft and it's, it's the baby stadium. Um, and sometimes it sounds very comfortable. It. Oh, it's amazing. And so if I, if I see that you're really into cozy things and snuggling things, if I bring that in, what are you going to do over there? Are you going to snuggle up in there and then pretend to be a little baby cat and meow at me until I look at you and say, meow, meow, I'm so hungry. This is a true story. Um, okay, great. Now I have new information about the ways you want to play and the things you want to explore. Let's follow that. Sure, sure. I I, I love the idea of paying attention to the verbs. Um, I I think I I mean if you if you combine that with a always available and robust collection of loose parts, yeah. And the willingness to step back when they pick a different verb for themselves and and let that go, um, I think that works. the 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 problem I see is that a lot of people they get locked into that planning, and right. that's what's happened. Are you poking yourself with a crochet hook? Yeah, that's exactly. Okay, what because it's it's getting very. I know you got glasses on, but it's getting very close to your eye, and I'm just no, waiting for it to slip under your glasses and into your eyeball. Uh -huh. So first of um, all, it's not sharp. Second, it's made of plastic. This is also not the hook end. This is just a stick. Okay. I'm poking my face. Just poking your face with a stick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, if that ends up in your eyeball, I don't know. I don't know who to call. As far I as could... I know, this is um, this is acupuncture. So okay, because um, I'd have to text nine one one. I I don't know. I text ah, your. Um, I don't know. He's it, well, I, I, man, but you could say yeah. His his email is the same as my email, but with his name, so you could find him pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I I, fig- I figure since he's a a spy, he's probably monitoring your your oh, email yeah. and text anyway. He's actually um, in that purse right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Um, hello, federal government. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, so so yeah, no, I think this is a this is a good way to approach it. Paying attention to those those verbs and um, even if you're even if you are more, even if you're in an environment where you don't have to do as much formal planning or you figured out a way to BS your way through the yeah, licensing side that. of it and that kind of stuff, um, paying attention to those verbs, the the verbs kids are actually playing with and engaging with is kind of, um, is, is helpful in, because if, if you've got a, 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 a child-led environment where there, I mean, eight kids coming into the room and there was eight different verbs being played with, mm-hmm. um, being aware of what they were interested in yesterday is going to, going to kind of point to what they might be interested in tomorrow. And, right. uh, and, and then the willingness to, to step back from that if, if they're not and go with the flow is, is the important part, but no, I think it's a good idea. And I think that's, um, what you just said, about teachers being aware is this key of child-led that often we miss. It's not children out on their own and I'm elsewhere. I'm really present with the children and I'm really looking at them and observing what they're doing and having conversations with them and building the relationships and playing with them and setting boundaries and figuring out what boundaries are breakable. And when we do that, we become an integral part of child-led because we are showing the children that their ideas are important, their interests really matter to us. So in order to do this well, we have to recognize that our role is really vital. And it's not about children do like we we don't set anything up ever any day, the room always looks exactly the same and the children do their own thing and I'm over here doing something else. There's a lot of us involved. There's a lot of the caregiver and the educator involved in it and it's exhausting and so, so fun mm-hmm. so fun yeah and tell you tell you stab yourself with a crochet hook um, i'm still having fun man what's going on with your thumb is that an injury you had before or is that didn't you have one on before oh, is that the same injury is that a new okay. injury so no this is a new injury and it's so funny that you mention it because um you said everything's fun until you stab yourself with a crochet hook and um i was thinking about you know that reminds me of how i hurt my thumb uh, <laughs> and how I hurt my thumb it's a very it's not an interesting story um we have a small group of children who do not nap during nap time so we have uh two and three year olds so the, again the group of not nappers is pretty small but we you know some of them are growing up dropping nap it's the, the way it works um and during that time a lot I like to cook with them because we'll eat snack when everybody else wakes up and cooking is delightful with children and we also have a great connection with our infant room. Uh, we have one of our students has a sibling in there and they love to cook for the infant room. So they love to just like make carrots, make sweet potatoes. Just ve- They're very interested in the things that the babies can eat, but they what do the babies like to eat. 
I don't like carrots. The babies won't like carrots. And then someone else will say, but I like carrots. We'll give the babies carrots. And so we'll talk about, you know, what is safe for the babies to eat, et cetera. How do we prepare it for them? Um, but we have a bunch of those like crinkle cutters. Sure. You know, which I absolutely love because they're so fun for children to use. We have some, um, but they wanted to use the crinkle cutters that, that day. We were chopping up like, uh, we were chopping up carrots. And so one of one of my buddies is is just so small, just the littlest thing, um, and working all of her muscles to cut this carrot. All standing up, pressing as hard as she can. She said, Sam, help. Because it kept rolling away. So I was like, yeah, absolutely, I can help you. So I go to get the carrot to help her hold it. And she slams it down with all of her force. And it was great. And it tore off part of my thumbnail. So good news is that it doesn't hurt as bad anymore. Bad news is it's kind of icky. <laughs> because your thumbnail was crinkle-cutted. Yes, it was It was crinkled. <laughs> that, it became a crinkle fry. <laughs> that That's delightful. Uh, Crinkle-cutter is harder to use than a, a knife because of the additional Indeed. surface area. Um, that, that, that sounds like a delightful injury. I hope it's healing. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. healing totally fine. It's oh, just good. It's just like gross to look uh -huh. at. Sure. Um, and so, like when the kids see me, like, yeah, I'm like yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's not so, look at it. That's fine. <laughs> what's the situation with the carrots at that time? Since they've got a little bit of Sam meat in them. <laughs> so the good news is that carrot we got to get rid of. That mm -hmm. carrot, no, we're not gonna serve this one. Um. I might have done a little sneaky, pushed it a little bit so it rolled onto the floor. Like, oh, well, we don't eat food that falls on the floor, especially if we don't give that to the babies. So let's go get another carrot out of the fridge. It's totally fine. Well, yeah, because you don't want the infants developing a taste for human right. flesh <laughs> at uh, at an at an early age. Yeah, that that just leads to some somebody's got right. a hole in their their basement floor um after that happens um before we wrap up i heard back from uh from non-pon heather burt santi she said it's okay to, roll, to to be to be more specific about what i'm what i'm congratulating her about so uh heather's been been hoping planning wishing for years uh for to to, to write a book and she just got sent a book contract she's finally going to be doing what? her book on 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 play schema uh so that's that's going to be happening she's actually i think in march she's going to join me and tamar for some episodes so we'll hear more from it from the from the horse's mouth um at the time but congratulations heather um if you're if, hey listeners i've been wishing and hoping for this for heather so yeah I yeah, so um, if you're interested in schema play or just want to support Heather, um, uh, that that's going to be happening. You can always go over and listen to that that early childhood nerd podcast as well. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Book launch party. Book launch party. Um, final thoughts about verbs. That's what's happening. <laughs> Those are my final thoughts. This. This here has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast that hopes you don't have to chase Sandy rolling poop down the beach. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We love Back you. Soon. <laughs> Just kept rolling. I, I was like six or eight feet. I had to chase it. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I thought you meant like, oh, I went a little bit. No, it, really no, no, it, it was it was headed to oh. Texas.
I'm a little upset you didn't just let it go for a while and see where it ended up. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, I was. It was pretty windy, and I wanted to go home. That's fair. That's fair. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for Heather. Heather once told me I could be her unpaid research assistant. I hope that still stands. Oh well. <laughs> I would like to work for free. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.